to have the arts be viewed as non-essential kind of stone. But I, I do think it's important for the creative people to have that little safety net, somewhere where you can grow, where you can thrive. Well, it was just interesting that she mentioned that because when I think safety, I think health. And when I think health, especially here in the United States, that eludes to health care, which now we all have just lost for the people that got laid off at Cirque du Soleil. <laughs> what we do is we put our best foot forward and then we take one step at a time. Like, there's your choreography, five, six, seven, eight, go. It's done. <laughs> Welcome to the Theatre Art Life podcast and hello. We're putting the spotlight on those who create live entertainment around the globe, the culture creators and the backstage masters. My name is Anna Robb. And my name is Anna Aguilera. And today we are talking a COVID special. It's a COVID special podcast and we're here with my co-host, Anna, and Johnny Kim, the artistic director. Hey. And uh, Johnny is on downtime right now in San Diego and Anna is in North Carolina and I'm in Hong Kong. And we had a discussion the other day about COVID and the industry, and we thought we would talk a little bit further about this uh, on the podcast to highlight the issues and the situation currently the global community of the arts is going through. And I wanted to sort of to talk about, especially with Johnny, because he has some great input and some a point of view that is interesting to share and to sort of explain to the world that, you know, you know, a lot of people are, um, this is not just a job for people in entertainment and there's a lot of distress in the fact that we are one of the industries that went down the first and will likely be one of the industries to come back the last. And what do we do uh, as a community in the downtime? And start to throw it over to Johnny in terms of, you know, what is he's experienced with the the group that he works with uh, intimately as an artistic director and the company. And then we'll dig into a little bit further about what this means on a global scale. So, Johnny, how did it go down for you? Um, Just like everyone else, it was very abrupt with no true end in sight, you know, because I think at the time, just like everybody, we thought it was temporary that it was all going to blow over and that everything would just go back. Um, and then as things progressively got worse, you know, now it's, it's in July and we're realizing that things are pretty bad, you know, in the world, the political sense, economy, travel restrictions. I mean, the list just is endless. And I think the main thing is that, well, at least for me, you know, when we look at the media and how we're being portrayed, you know, there's, there was a lot of discussion like a month ago about what's essential and non-essential, which I get it in a way, but at the same time, we have to think about if we're looking at an economy, everyone's essential, right? But to have the arts be viewed as non-essential kind of stung. And I think a lot of people feel that sting, but for me, it, it truly had a trigger of bringing back to my childhood where me doing anything artistic was a hobby that it was going to garner no money and it was a waste of time. And so having that kind of view come back into my face, even in the position that I'm in as an artistic director was heartbreaking. Like it just brought me back to a very dark place of how we are perceived. And the other side of it is, is the slap in the face when entertainment is consumed on the daily, you know, with live streaming things and 
And I remember when everything shut down, everyone was doing free ballet classes and doing Zoom this and Zoom that. And now, you know, there's platforms that are uh, releasing Hamilton and, and, and doing all this stuff to just give, 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 but we don't get anything in return. I just feel like we're just getting bashed down to the ground when everyone consumes music, art, all the time and somehow we're, we're viewed as less than and that just it triggers me honestly it does and on a practical level there's you know some really distressing stories about people being um their jobs and livelihoods are being affected by the situation so you did have an example that you spoke to me a while ago about um, a family who'd been in uh, on tour for a while but have now nowhere to go do you want to sort of go into the details of some of the ways that COVID has really um, uplifted or uprooted their their existence yeah I mean it's I have so many examples but in that example specifically you know sometimes you're looking at a very talented athlete that has turned to performing as a new new way of life and in getting into Cirque, you know, I have artists that have been there for more than a decade. So they've, they've honed into this skill to make a living. And it's very specific. You know, there's apparatus, circus apparatus out there that is very specific to where even if you wanted to train something, sometimes you need a partner. Like if we're looking at Russian bars, for example, at Totem, you know, if you're a porter in that, you need your book and porter, you need a bar and you need a flyer. So they're very specific of what they do and they've had this longevity to where this is now the only thing that they do and they're at that physical age to where they're going to just continue this until they can't anymore because trying to start all over and competing with all these up-and-coming young artists that do so many other things as well it's not that feasible so it's almost like you get locked into this this system where you still enjoy what you're doing you still have a job and you still get to perform and you, you create a life for yourself with getting married, having children, buying a home. But at the same token, you're also escaping like a war-ridden country sometimes or a place with such political mess that it would just be not an option to go back. And I've experienced that in a lot of shows where you know people have become devastated because the end of the contract meant they had to go back to their home country, which it's not necessarily always somebody's case, right? Um, and so when you take that livelihood away, and there's going to be a lot of people on the other spectrum that say, yeah, well, you shouldn't have that job define you as a person because that's just a huge part of you, but that's not all you are. Mm. The thing is, when, when you have some of these circumstances like this, it becomes all-encompassing because you, know, you also will then have people that had been in the circus because of their family. So they were a part of it since they were younger and they they know nothing else but the circus and they will continue doing this for forever. Um, and so with, with something like COVID where it, it, it breaks it up and it was not your choice, but it's not just your show or, or your, your specific art, it's the entire industry where that means you have nowhere, no other avenue to go to. That means you're cut off completely and you had no choice and no closure. And you know everyone's then in that moment of trying to figure out what to do next. And there's always going to be that criticism of like, well, you should have thought of a plan B. I mean, I can just remember my parents, you know, you should have thought of something else. You should have prepared for this because this is a hobby. You should have, you know what I mean? But when you're so passionate about something and you go out there and you do it and you get it and you live it and it becomes your livelihood and you set your life up around it and then it's taken away. Yes, it has become your life and it's been taken away and it's devastating. We're not going to sit here and just say, well, I can just apply for other jobs because, you know, the stress and anxiety of trying to see what transferable skills you have 
after all this time, not doing anything else but that one thing. You know what I mean? I think that something that you mentioned, and it's very key both for, like I can speak for the technician side as well, or the technical side and the artistic, is that we're passionate about what we do. We don't, or at least most of us, we don't just like choose this industry because it's the one that's going to pay us best. To be here, we're here because we love what we do. So yes, at, to a point, we our jobs become or are part of who we are because it takes so much of us to get to where we are, to be able to actually make a living out of it, to be good at what we do. It's not something that we just like, oh, I woke up today and I'm a really good show caller. Well, not really. <laughs> It just doesn't happen like that. So it's really hard for us. And then someone comes and as you were saying, oh yeah, so we don't think that what you do and what you're really good at uh, is is important. Although we do want it to get by right now. So, you know, like it's, it's all of those that you're saying, like we're passionate and it really is part of who we are and who we become. Yeah. And then at the same time, they're telling us, that it's something that's not important, but they want it for free right now because it's it's important for someone else, but they just can't pay us to do it. So it's it's rough. It hurts. It does hurt. Yeah. Not to mention part of our industry is, is all-consuming, and we talk a lot about balance and mental health, and that's a whole other realm of conversation. But the reality is you go on tour and for Cirque or you go and do projects, it becomes your life. You know, you pick up a family, you, you, you're trying to move through a show, um, whether this be for one moment or for a tour or reoccurring instances. It's really something that you have to, it's not a nine to five clock in clock out um, aspect of your job. It's, it's something that you'll do for 16 hours a day. And a lot of the time, historically, you know, people would always ask me, why do you work so hard? Anna? why do you work so hard? And my, my um, response was, I'd rather work 16 hours a day of something that I loved than eight I hated. And I've really um, lived like that. And I also, and I want to read this to you because this is something that I think sums up exactly what we're saying. It's a quote by James A. Mishner, and uh, I've just pulled it up so I can read it because I cannot know it off the top of my head. But it really, um, it really explains for me the working in the arts. And it goes like this. The master in the art of living makes little distinction between his work and his play his labour and his leisure, his mind and his body, his information and his recreation, his love and his religion. He hardly knows which is which. He simply pursues his vision of excellence at whatever he does, leaving others to decide whether he is working or playing. To him, he is always doing both. Mm, amazing. And I think that really sums up the, the, the industry, right? Yeah, I resonate so well with that because that's how I was able to push through going against the expectations of me being an electrical engineer or a pharmacist or a doctor, you know. I cannot see you as an electric en electrical engineer. This is like the funniest image in my head. I know. <laughs> you, I, I even took mechanical, I took mechanical drafting in high school and I was good at it. And when I got that A, when I got that A, I was like, well, okay, I'm good at it, but it doesn't mean I like to do it. So... Yeah, to be able to, oh, I love that quote. You're going to have to send that to me. I'm I will do that. I will make do a that. poster or something out of that. Oh, <laughs> amazing. Hey, I come back to it quite a lot when, I, when I'm struggling, I think. And, 
you know, the older I get, the more I realise that it's really so important to stay on the track that you believe in and what you're passionate about despite the circumstances. And I feel like, you know, I've had a number of conversations with industry professionals about this current situation and I think really another aspect to look at is an artist is an artist whether they get paid or not. You know, um, you can always create and you can always do that. It doesn't mean that perhaps you're going to have to go drive a truck for, for for Sainsbury's for a while for the next 12 months. But that doesn't, that you cannot let that define you. You're an artist and you will continue to be an artist, whether that be a technical artist or a, a on-stage artist, because I also feel, feel that technical people are also very creative beings, especially when we yeah. when we put the passion and their uh, creative problem-solving in into putting on shows every day, which they do on the backside that nobody sees. And so um, from a mental health perspective, and I, I want you to weigh in on that a little bit, Johnny, too, in terms of how you think mentally people can get through this, but just because you may have to take another job for a period of time does not define you as a failure in this situation, right? It's 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 just the way that what we're going to have to do, in each individual is going to have to keep doing to get through this period and then at some point the arts will rise again, maybe in a different form, maybe in a different shape, but that's where the creative people have the ability to contribute to navigating back onto the road of uh, live performances and, and art in general. I mean, the tricky thing about this time is that we can go back to that cliche starving artist where you move to New York City and before you book the gig, you're waiting tables. But we're in a, a period of time now where even restaurants are closing and or not opening because of the situation we're in. And the people that work there want to keep their job. So the opportunities are less than. So to then have to think even outside of the box of what your transferable skills are and what you can do to contribute to society, but also make a living to be able to survive is a whole nother ball game. Because back in the day when we thought about those kind of parameters, you worked your butt off waiting tables so that you can go pay for the training in a gym at a space to do your stuff, to, to hone in your skills, to send that videotape submission, to go audition and do all those things where those things don't exist anymore. It's all kind of wiped mm. out, right? And I understand, that's why I want to kind of get that disclaimer that this is just in a perspective. It doesn't represent everyone. And I know that there's other sectors of the world that are going through the same thing, but it's the nuances of the differences that really set us apart. And I think in order to be able to try and survive this, we kind of have to just acknowledge what we're going through and lend on each other to help lift each other up because every situation is going to be different. Yes, there are artists that I've come across that are going to be fine because they've set up a business creating their own clothing or they've created like a fitness channel that is now getting the hype to where people are paying for um, fitness instruction to do it in this specific way. I, those kind of people have already started that pre-COVID. So that's going to be fine. But, you know, the other spectrum, whether we talk about the people that don't want to go back to their war-ridden country or the people that can't go back because they can't afford it and their livelihood was being the breadwinner of bringing the money back to their country in poverty. You know, I mean, there's so many extremes to this. And the only way I think we can do is to, to, to help this is to acknowledge it and then lean on each other to try and get through this together because every situation can be dire and extreme in so many different ways. And every country is is dealing with it differently and some countries do have a unemployment support 
right? And and, and people can go on unemployment for a period of time. Um, that's the case for, say, Australia. I mean, it's not ideal. And then there's other situations in other countries where that that is, like you said, far more devastating and 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 damaging to people's lifestyles and existences. And you know, there's no one-stop solution of how how to get through that. But I like like you said, if you can help out and 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 lean on each other and try and figure out a way to um, move forward and sort of speak up as well. I think from a mental health issues, you know, if I knew that somebody was really struggling, you know, I'd have to ask myself, what can I do to help? You know, so don't suffer in silence is, is probably the, the situation. Anna, what do you think? 100%. Well, it makes me think on, um, so when you, from a mental health point of view, to be able to create and to be able to to be okay, you need certain stability and you need to feel safe and you need to know that your, your basics are met. And when we don't, then it doesn't matter how creative or good we are. It is really hard for us to create if we don't have food and somewhere to sleep and we don't know that our family and the people we care for are okay. And I think you mentioned something very important that there are some countries that can somehow provide and help artists or people or that have unemployment or art funds or you name it. And maybe that, I don't know, this just came to mind, but that would be like those artists that might get to that safe spot first or sooner than the rest could be a helping hand to the rest of the community. Uh, mm. Just... But I, I do think it's important for the creative people to have that little safety net somewhere where you can grow, where you can thrive. Well, it was just interesting that she mentioned that because when I think safety, I think health. And when I think health, especially here in the United States, that eludes to health care, which now we all have just lost for the people that got laid off at Cirque du Soleil. And, you know, there's another facet to that that people may not be aware of. But, you know, there are artists out there that are expecting a child and now have no health insurance, but are stuck in this country because of travel restrictions. So when we're looking at like the stability of the essential things that you need to survive, which is a roof over your head and food, but then you're about to bring a child into this, this world when everything is so uncertain because you've lost your job and your health insurance, but you're not from this country. I mean, it's just like the cards are so stacked against you. And that is the other spectrum of like, okay, this Broadway actor lost his job and this Cirque du Soleil artist lost their job, but everyone's story is so different. Mm. And we have to acknowledge that because without that stability, you were saying, Anna, we don't have the energy or the, the ability to even start to create to do what we love to do because we're just trying to survive and, and, and stay afloat and not drown, you know? And, and that then lends to, you know, and not to get political, but structural issues with the way that jobs are created and you are working in the entertainment industry, right? If your health insurance is, is reliant on your job, which for me is a fundamentally flawed system because, you know, you don't have a job and you don't have health insurance. And, and again, I don't want to get into the politics of it, but that those have massive, like you said, have massive ramifications when you're talking about somebody who works in the arts in, say, um, America versus Australia. Australia has a, a, a Medicare system that if you got COVID, you could go in, get treated, walk out without having, having to pay, you know, a million dollars worth of, of healthcare bills. It's not the case in, in the States. And so, and again, I wouldn't be able to 
talk off the top of my head about all of the other countries' health systems. Maybe, Anna, you have some more info from where, you know, you're from and stuff. But for me, it's like it, those fundamental, um, you're talking about really Maslow's hierarchy of needs when you talk about security and safety and Maslow's hierarchy of needs has that that first layer has to be met prior to any further uh, development of the human being. And, and so that's the fundamental thing to focus on for everybody right now regardless of the industry is that those those needs are being met and what a what a dramatic uh focus to to be having to think about in 2020 as a global community of human beings to focus on that i mean it's quite humbling isn't it to have to sit there and wipe out all of where we thought we were going and go back to real really basic needs of is everybody healthy? Is everybody getting fed? Is everybody got a roof over their yep. heads? And yeah, it's it's overwhelming at times. And us being a very small, not a very small, we're a very large aspect of the of the communities, but um, where they're off on the side having our own second layer of issues as well. For sure. And I, I don't even want to thank what the people that are refugees or immigrants or have gone through natural disasters go through. Like if we are somehow safe and it's been so hard to find and met, have our basics needs met like those people that go through that for very long periods of time I think it should definitely make make us sit down and reflect and look around I mean on a positive note too it has forced people to be creative on how to be creative uh, to keep keep their spirit alive and keep their the what they do um, alive for the world to see at large, but not everyone has those resources either. You know, even if everyone went back to their home country successfully, it doesn't mean that everyone has that kind of resource when it comes to internet, space, filming. You know, uh, everyone's doing all kinds of things, but I wish there was just somehow we could make that be, you know, have some parity. Yeah. And like you said, there's there's some really good things happening, you know, like Liam's doing his step for circus hike, you know, he got sick of stuck in his house and he's like, well, I'm going to go try and raise some money and 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 get out of this funk. Terence, um, stage manager and production manager in Vegas has picked up a very important job of delivering medical supplies and is now hiring people in uh, Vegas part-time people who are in the industry to help with that process so he's doing very important work it's not particularly enjoyable for him because it's not as exciting as entertainment but you know again you take a step aside and do something that's good for the community and and like you said there are many you know there's people coming up with drive-in theaters right now in the UK uh, so that people can at least go see the movies and have that experience and art thrives where you know it's like that it's like the in in the concrete there's always the, the plant always like finds its way through to grow out through the concrete. And that's art. Like art's always going to find its way to grow through the concrete like a plant does. And it's just, and it's interesting to see how people have approached that. There's, you know, obviously the uh, streaming of Hamilton, but there's also the old Vic in London's done some filming of a play, but had done it with cameras on stage and done a really interesting way to um, view a live performance as if you're on the stage, not as an audience member. So it's another view of, another expression of art that hasn't been done before. Well, you know, so there's lots of stuff going on. And I keep looking to those, yeah. like you said, for beacons of, of hope and um, share those uh, experiences with the people around me as well. Yeah. On the Cirque side, I mean, I have friends and colleagues, um, Jenny, Christina and Scott, that have created this group called uh, Worldwide Cirque Handshake. Oh, I've seen that. Yes. 
Yeah, and the purpose of that is to, to get everyone past and present of CERC to try and get together to, to celebrate what we have done, what we've been doing, and what we will do. But the, the best thing that I found about this platform is that they've structured it to where there's a mentorship program where if anyone wants to be mentored by somebody else in this group, because there's thousands of people now in the group, um, in anything to learn a new skill or whatever, that, that kind of connection is already set up to where you can uh, offer your services, but then also like join. Um, there's also a, a platform that they have within this Facebook page to help people understand where there are open housing. So if people that are stuck in certain countries due to COVID based on the shutdown, that cannot leave, that don't have a place to stay, there may be people out there that have a spare room and a spare couch and all that stuff to try and lift each other up during this time because not everyone is being able to stay afloat. And the beauty of this, this Facebook group is like unbelievable to where it just brings a tear to my eye. I mean, people, yes, can put in photos and, and show some fun memories, but you know, the purpose is also to really stay connected to help each other out because it, it can be a very dark time for people that don't have the same amount of resources. Well, I think we've so we've solved the world's problems, right? We, that's what I mean, we do. It's one step at a time, right? <laughs> yes, exactly what we do. What we do is we put our best foot forward, and then we take one step at a time. Like, there's your choreography: five, six, seven, eight. Go. Yeah, done. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, thank you for your time again, Johnny. We really appreciate it, and um, I think uh, as yes. as we go through the COVID period, I think you're one of the most positive people to help us through it. So, thank you. Definitely. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. And thanks for letting me uh, open up the discussion to start a dialogue because who knows, maybe people have other th thoughts or feelings or ideas to help progress this. Yeah, forward, I think you know? we should open um, like people who want to leave their comments or send feedback or if you have a friend that's doing something cool or if you're that friend that's doing something cool, just let us know, share it with the world so we can all uh, support each other. Absolutely. Yes. Great. Thanks again, Johnny. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye. Please write a review on our podcast whenever you listen to our podcast and let your friends know about us. You can learn more about Theatre Art Life by visiting our website at www.theatreartlife.com. And you can follow us on social media and leave your questions or comments on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Twitter, or YouTube. We really want to thank David Zaya for composing the music for our podcast and Michelle Sharotta, who is our sound engineer. We are your hosts, Anna and Anna, and this is the Theatre Art Life podcast, where we put the spotlight on those who create live entertainment around the world. <laughs>